What's going on, everyone, and welcome back. This is the third episode of the Loud Hounds podcast. My name is Bobby McInnes, and I'm back with Thomas Spallone. How's it going, Tom? I'm great. I'm uh, I'm excited for another week of our uh, Loud Hounds podcast. Yeah, it's been a pleasure so far. You know, this is the third episode, like I mentioned, and it's been a great opportunity. Shout out Graycom Studios. So this week, we're going to be talking about football again. We have the Redskins. They have fired their head coach, and they're moving on to a new chapter in their book. Tom, let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah, it was time for the Redskins to part way with Jay Gruden. I mean, you look at his overall record uh, at Washington. He coached there since 2014. He finished with a 35-win, 49-loss, one-tie record. That's obviously not good, under 500. They made one. They had one decent season where they made the playoffs at 9-7 and in 2015, but they got, they got bounced in the uh, wild card round. But um, it, it was time. Uh, you starting Colt McCoy... Last week against New England, you couldn't expect to win that game, obviously. I mean, they were probably trying to save Haskins from uh, uh, New England, hold them back a little bit. I'm assuming that Haskins will start the next week. They might go back to McCoy, though. It'll be interesting on what the uh, interim coach does, but Gruden's time was up there. He he just wasn't getting it done. Yeah, and Washington is definitely, you know— under expectations and I didn't see them making the playoffs or anything but I definitely didn't see them winless through five weeks and now they have to play the Dolphins next week and that's not even a a gimme anymore you know you look at the schedule before the season and I would have told you uh, 10 times out of 10 that the Redskins would beat the Dolphins however now both teams are 0-5 and Washington is kind of transitioning to a rebuild stage Uh, they have their rookie quarterback who we saw him come in against the Giants to had three turnovers. Obviously, he's not ready. They sat him versus the Patriots the next week, and we got to see what they do there because it's going to get messy if Haskins isn't the answer. Yeah, we saw him coming against the Giants and th- throw those three interceptions. I'm pretty sure it was. But um, you can't really go off of that because he. W- I don't think he was even prepared to play that game. Um, he had to come in, I think, in- at halftime for uh, Keenum. And um, you got to give this guy a shot. Obviously, this is your future. And if he is in the future, then you got you better get on that draft board immediately and and look into a future quarterback, because um, this guy has to be the answer for you. You drafted him in the first round. Uh, he had good talent in Ohio State. It'll be uh, it'll be interesting on what Callahan does uh, with this team moving forward. But I definitely think it'll be an interesting game this week between them and Miami because both those teams are are terrible teams. Yeah, and so the Skins have named offensive assistant Bill Callahan the interim coach. Uh, we're going to see what they do. They're definitely going to be shopping for a new coach in the offseason. However, if you are the interim head coach, are you looking to start that rookie quarterback to try to get some flair, to try to you know make a name for yourself and get some fire, and hopefully he can get a few wins and try to make a case for why he should be the head coach next season? Yes. If I'm Callahan, I'm definitely starting Haskins uh, next week against Miami. you got nothing to lose. you got to play the kid. Uh, you got to see what you have moving forward. Even if you're not putting up wins, obviously, uh, you want to see what Haskins can do, similar to what the Giants have with Daniel Jones. Um, he got first two wins of his career. Obviously, they took a loss, loss this week against uh, Minnesota. But, I mean, it's really not about winning games right now because you know you're not a, a championship team. You just want to see what you got for your future quarterback. All right, so... I don't think anybody is going to be too interested in the game, but do you see Washington getting their first win against Miami, or do you see the Dolphins receiving their first win this year? 
I, I still got to give the edge to Washington, even though they're not a great football team, because Miami is just god-awful. They got no weapons whatsoever. At least Washington's got McLaurin. They got a veteran running back in Peterson, and we'll see what Haskins has. But Dolphins just have nothing going for them right now. They're going for the for the full rebuild. All right, Tom. So if you were to make a prediction on who would be the 2020 head coach for the Washington Redskins, who would you put your money on? Uh, right now, I'm probably going... Uh, Tomlin would be my, my high guess. If you're lo- listening to the news right now, um, they're they're trying to get Tomlin. If it's not a midseason trade, which would be interesting if they do trade for, for Tomlin midseason, but if it's not that, then it can definitely be in the upcoming offseason because you're looking at Pittsburgh right now. Tomlin is assuming going to I'm assuming he's going to part ways with them. Uh, nothing's really going right for them right now. They just took a tough loss. They, they were in the game against the Ravens this past week, but took a tough loss. I'm pretty sure they're 1-4 now. Um not not a whole lot going on right there for them. So I, my front runner right now for the Washington coach next year would be Mike Tomlin. All right. Well, there are some other winning coaches out there. You mentioned that Tomlin does have a ring. However, how about Mike McCarthy? That, that's, sitting out, that is always an option. Sitting out this season, he's looking for play um, to coach in the 2020 season. Uh, there's also other options. We have McDaniels uh, from New England, the offensive coordinator. There's Jim Caldwell, former coach of the Lions. Uh, perhaps people have been... Uh, making theories of Jim Harbaugh coming back to the NFL, leaving Michigan. Yeah, those are all good options. I really like what you said, McCarthy. I mean, he had a great resume with uh, Green Bay. He He's great working with the quarterbacks. I think him and Rodgers got along just fine. Um, Harbaugh might not be a bad idea. I think he needs to leave Michigan specifically because he's he's not a great coach in college at all. He hasn't shown anything. His his college resume is, is pretty pitiful for, for a Big Ten team to be – to be coaching a Big Ten team like that, he's not putting the numbers up. I think he did he did fine with San Francisco. Um, if he wants to come back to the NFL, that that definitely be a good option for Washington to take advantage of. But they definitely got options to, to choose from. So we're gonna have to wait and see what happens in Washington. But let's transition over now uh, into what's been going on through the first five weeks in the NFL. There's been a lot of surprises. Uh, we've been talking about them in the dorm room, you know, all week. Uh, but let's talk about the Packers right now. The Packers are, you know. Week one against Chicago, they looked like they were struggling to um, work that offense, that new Matt LaFleur offense. Um, and Rodgers just didn't look like, you know, the Aaron Rodgers discount double check that we know. So, but they do have a 4-1 and record. And even though Rodgers is not putting up the stats that we're used to, he's becoming a game manager. And this Packers team is winning ballgames. Yeah, I mean, the Packers, obviously, in, in these in this past decade has shown their dominance, but you always have seen that they're a big offensive team, obviously. Uh, wide receivers in the past, like Greg Jennings, uh, Donald Driver, Jordy Nelson, uh, big guys like that. Now they have Devontae Adams. They had Randall Cobb. Um, Aaron Rodgers has been the quarterback for, for the past few years there. Um, you know that they're offensive heavy usually, but this year you've seen their defense. They have they have a big defense this year. They got those two pickups in the offseason, Zadarius Smith from the uh, Baltimore Ravens and Preston Smith from the, from the Redskins. They're both on pace to have career to have career years for them, and they have a lockdown corner in Jair Alexander. I mean, I that I think is their key this year that their D has, has stepped up big and, and won them a few games. But as you said, Rodgers, he's not st- uh, piling the stats up this year, which is just fine as long as you're winning games. He, what I've seen, um, what I've seen from the Packers this year so far, is um, they get ahead early, 
Um, Rodgers throws the ball downfield, and then they're usually up by half, and like they were against Dallas this week, and then they run the ball heavy, which is exactly why Rodgers' points aren't as inflated as you see like guys like Mahomes or Brady or guys like that. So I'm, I'm just fine with that. You, you, you have a big lead, and then you want to keep the ball on the ground, chew the clock, and you're not going to be putting up stats, but you're winning games, and this team's 4-1, and one, and I definitely think they're the front runner in uh, their, their division. Yeah, the NFC North. NFC North. Um, I have to agree with you there. I believe they have a two-game lead in front of Chicago. Uh, I do see like the Bears as a wild-card team. I think that um, the Vikings have been struggling, but there's some decent competition. The Lions have been very impressive. And speaking of the Lions, the Packers need to play the Lions. They'll host them next week. Uh, what do you see the outcome of that game being? Yeah, I definitely think the Packers are obviously the favorite going into that game. Uh, the Lions have shocked a few people, though. They have looked pretty good. Uh, Stafford has looked pretty good. Uh, on Johnson, Galladay's had, had a pretty good season. But I still think Green Bay is the better team. If they play their game, they should win. We've seen uh, an interesting offense run this year, too, by Green Bay. Matt LaFleur's uh, first season, his play calling is a much different style than a lot of, a lot of coaches in this league. Um, but I, I see Green Bay coming out on top there. I agree with you, Tom. Green Bay looks to be unstoppable so far. Um, but let's talk about... My guy, Christian McCaffrey. I have him on my fantasy team. I know you have him in one league as well. This dude has been amazing. He's <laughs> he's on path to break records. And, you know, this is a guy who's always on the field. I believe last year he played almost 100% of the snaps. And it just looks like he's a complete workhorse. Um, what are your thoughts on CMC? Yeah, so far what I've seen out of this guy is just an insane amount of workload he's got. And the, the amount of yards he's putting up is just it's ridiculous. I mean, this guy is the best player in the NFL right now. I'll go out and say that. I have no problem saying that, especially after the week that Mahomes just had uh, against Indianapolis. Stopped him pretty well. This guy is the front runner for the MVP right now. I would say Russell Wilson is right underneath him. I mean, it's always going to be tough to beat out a quarterback for an MVP spot, but right now this guy is, is the best player in the NFL. Uh, you look at his um, stats here. 587 rushing yards through six weeks. He's got 279 receiving yards through Sorry, not six weeks, five weeks. And he's got 866 scrimmage yards through the first five weeks. That's on pace for 2,771 scrimmage yards. That shatters Chris Johnson's single-season scrimmage yard record of 2,509. So it's not even close to the numbers that he's putting up right now compared to other running backs. He has more scrimmage yards than Ezekiel Elliott and Todd Gurley combined. So that, that alone can tell you. My only concern is the workload that he's getting. It's a it's, it's very high amount. So my... The health is going to be an issue there, but they really don't have a backup running back that they can really rely on, even though McCaffrey did come out of that game last last Sunday. Um, I think it was cramps or something like yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned his health. The only thing that I'm concerned of is that his back might be hurting after carrying this <laughs> Panthers offense the whole season. Exactly, yeah, but the, but the backup running back, I'm not sure it was. He came in for like one play. Or I two believe plays, it was Bonafon. And he ran like a 60-yard touchdown yep. run, but like... You can't really rely on a guy like that. So that's why I think McCaffrey's workload is going to be a lot. That's my only worry with him. But he is, he's having a record year so far, and he's on pace to, to shatter the uh, scrimmage yard uh, single-season record by Chris Johnson. Yeah, hopefully it could result in some more wins for the Carolina Panthers. Uh, let's talk about last night's game. We had the 49ers take on the Cleveland Browns. And let me tell you, it was a one-sided game. The 49ers came out there and completely annihilated the Cleveland Browns. Um, and Baker Mayfield does not look like the quarterback that everybody thought he was after his rookie season. You know, after his rookie season, he led all rookie quarterbacks in touchdowns, uh, yardage. He looked to be, you know, the great guy, uh, justified number one pick. And then now he leads the leagues in interceptions. His touchdown to interception ratio is four to eight. 
That is absurd. <laughs> you know, uh, Baker Mayfield needs to stop worrying about everyone else, and he's got to worry about himself, I think, is the number one problem. Because Baker Mayfield's too busy tweeting at everyone else, trying to call everyone else out, trying to call the Giants out. Drama with AB, Rex <laughs> Ryan, um, with the, just the media in general. And, you know, we saw someone who didn't really uh, handle that too well is Nick Bosa. He was like, I'm not playing any games. I remember when you planted that Oklahoma flag down when you played Ohio State, and then his uh, Nick Bosa celebration last night after almost getting a sack, causing Baker to throw it into the ground. I believe it was intentional grounding called, um, and he was waving the imaginary flag and planted mm-hmm. on the ground. And that's what you love to see. You know, hopefully this is a wake up call to Baker Mayfield because he needs to step it up. Yeah, no, exactly. I like how Bosa did that to him last night. He played Baker Mayfield's game and he gave him a taste of his own medicine. Is exactly what he did. Um, Baker Mayfield as I said, needs to stop worrying about the media and start playing his game because he's trying to call everyone else out when he has a ridiculous amount. I think he has 11 turnovers this year through through the first five weeks. He's on a 2-3 and three team when they, on paper, have a top-five team in the league when they should easily be 3-2, and two, maybe even 4-1. And, one. and um, he, he has all but himself to blame. He's got the weapons. He's got, I know Njoku's injured right now, but when he comes back healthy, they got him. They have Kareem Hunt coming soon off of the suspension. They have a top running back in the league. Nick Chubb has had a pretty solid season so far. And you have Landry and Beckham. There's no reason why you shouldn't be uh, dominating week in and week out. But uh, just an awful performance last night. I believe two interceptions, one fumble against a 49ers team who has shocked everyone so far this year as the only other un undefeated team this year besides New England. Well, you mentioned weapons. Um, you mentioned Jarvis Landry, you know, Chubb. And you mentioned Odell Beckham Jr. And Colin Coward mentioned on his show that he believes that OBJ should be traded out of Cleveland after they just acquired him. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think that that's the answer here? Personally, um, you know, OBJ, he likes to chirp a little bit and he's, you know, always in the media. But he's a star talent and... If anything, they should be worried about Baker and his chirping because OBJ is not the problem in Cleveland. It's Baker Mayfield. No, he's not. And Colin, Colin Coward is just, he's a different breed, man. That guy, he, he comes after anyone and everyone whenever whenever he wants to. I don't really listen to him that much. But um, Odell Beckham hasn't done anything wrong so far this year. I don't know why he'd be saying that. But uh, he ha- he was the issue in, in uh, New, New York with the Giants. But right now the issue in Cleveland is Baker Mayfield. Odell Beckham ha- hasn't been great, but he's still put up pretty decent numbers, and I think they can definitely get it together, but it's it's going to be on Baker to get this, to ride the ship uh, together. All right, Tom, I want to talk about my team a little bit now. Obviously, I'm not sure if I mentioned in a previous episode, but you know that I'm a New York Jets fan, um, and we're off to an 0-4 start after Sam Dar- Darnold has missed the last three games with Mono, but he's back. Um, Chris Herndon is back off the suspension, so the offense is starting to look a little better and what we w- thought it was going to be in the offseason. So can this result into wins for the New York Jets? Yeah, getting your quarterback Sam Donald back is obviously key because having Luke Falk behind center was just a miserable three uh, weeks for the Jets. But, um, yeah, I definitely think they can definitely finish with a few wins, at least three or four. I mean, having Donald back is key. And uh, Mosley should be returning soon, right? Yes, hopefully. He's the glue to that defense. We saw mm-hmm. in the first game against the Buffalo Bills, the Jets – had a 16-point lead, and then gave up 17 unanswered when Mosley got hurt in the second half. So you can totally see the difference not having Mosley and the lack of middle linebackers. Avery Williamson got hurt before the season, so that's a place where we need Mosley to come back right away if we want to win. Um, however, like I said, 0-4 start, that's not what you like to see. 
especially as a Jets fan with a very optimistic season um, before this. Exactly. Yeah, but I definitely see them getting a few wins. You play Miami twice, obviously. They play the Giants, which should be a competitive game. Um, you're obviously not making the playoffs this year, but you you got to look forward to the the next draft, obviously, and maybe be a little competitive this year with Darnold. And Le'Veon Bell has been pretty good this year, but he hasn't had a lot to, lot to work with. Uh, teams are kind of eyeing him down because – especially the last few weeks with Falk at quarterback, they, they were kind of run heavy and, and dump pass heavy. So they were kind of eyeing Le'Veon down, but he's still been pretty solid this year. But I think the biggest concern right now with the Jets is the head coach. I mean, Gase so far hasn't really proven anything. I know he's working with a backup quarterback, so that's why I want to see how he does with this play calling when Darnold comes back. But if you're the GM, you got to be looking at him and thinking, like, what's this guy got for us? Because if he doesn't have anything for us, he's got to get he's got to get out of town. You make a you make a great point about you know how is the GM going to look at this? Joe Douglas is the Jets' new GM. He did not hire Adam Gaze, and you know I've been talking to my dad throughout the week, always talking about the Jets, always talking about sports. And my dad says he has no problem if Joe Douglas fires Adam Gaze after the season. It's not his coach, and he wants his guys his guys in there. So if Joe Douglas wants to completely clear house with the staff go ahead it's not a bad idea and make make a splash this offseason but so far I've given Adam Gase the benefit of the doubt because he's been playing with a third string quarterback but there's no excuses anymore now that Sam Darnold's back it's the guy that you've been working with through the offseason and preseason and there's no excuses for bad play calling you know no 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 um, the play on the field obviously it was going to be bad with Luke Falk but some of the the play calls that Adam Gase had um, I believe fourth down it was a weak rollout um, to the outside and Luke Falk threw a pick so I don't I don't like that play call and I think that Adam Gase needs to step it up because from here on out there's going to be no excuses and the New York media will let him hear it. Oh yeah definitely yeah no I wouldn't have a problem with the uh, with the Jets GM firing. Uh Gase, not at all, especially because he didn't hire him, so it's up to him. Um, just last topic before we sign off, let's talk a little bit about the 49ers. Um, we touched on it, their big win last night. Um, this team just looks amazing, and quite honestly, I didn't expect it. I'm not a big Jimmy Garoppolo fan, uh, but this whole this team as a whole looks really outstanding so far. Yeah, their defense has been a huge part of their of their season so far. I mean, last night you saw a pr- on primetime television just put on a show, allowing three points, taking getting at least three takeaways. I mean, I'm not even sure who they have on their defense, but it's been, been playing pretty damn good so far. And um, Garoppolo, I kind of liked in New England uh, when Brady, I think when Brady went down with that injury or they were resting him one week and they put him in, he showed some, some signs of being a good quarterback. And then once he got traded... I thought that that was a good deal for San Francisco, but then he went down with that ACL tear last year. But I think he's definitely got p- potential, and uh, he can be a good quarter- quarterback for them. And they do have a decent running back tandem with Tevin Coleman and Matt Breda have shown them some good signs this year. And they also have Jarek McKinnon, who's hurt. Um, but, yeah, you're right. Uh, they do have a lot of pieces, definitely to make a splash. Wide receivers are a little weak, but, you know, Kittle makes up for it. And they do have some play waker, playmakers, Marquise Goodwin, um, Pettis. They have Debo Samuel, who's a rookie. Um, but if you look at the division as a whole, the NFC West is going to be very tight. The 49ers are 4-0, Seahawks 4-1, and and Rams are right behind them as 3-2. and So you have three really good teams Um all of them, which could make a um, playoff run, obviously, if they all make it. And um, I don't know. It's, we're gonna, it's going to be crazy to see how this shakes out because they have to play each other. All those teams have to play each other, and we're going to have yep. to see um, 
how it's going to come out. What's what's going to be the end result? Yeah, I want to see how the 49ers are against the Rams and the Seahawks because obviously that'll be two big tests for them. Um, I don't see the 49ers winning this division, to, if we're going to be honest here. I think maybe they can they can definitely get a wild card. But um, the division is going to be between Seattle and the Rams. And Seattle just beat L.A. this past week. So I definitely think that that's going to be a great division. And the Rams need to wake up. They're 3-2 and two now. They were supposed to be top of the NFC with the Saints, but if they can't win their own division, they can't beat Seattle, then they're not going to be up there in the uh, NFC. Yeah, so it's going to be uh, exciting to see how it shakes out. There's a lot going on in the NFL, and we're going to keep talking about it uh, most likely week in and week out. Um, but that's going to do it for us in this third episode. I'm Bobby McGinnis alongside Thomas Ballone. Thank you to Great Comp Studios, and we'll see you guys next week.